this is Jeff Bugby, and welcome to Film Church, a podcast about filmmaking and the cinematic arts. Test your metal with me and my guest as we put our hands on a movie. Today, it's going to be slightly different. I'm not going to talk about any film festival, but a movie instead, so don't really have a fancy name for it yet. Movie Magic Minutes, I will discuss Robert Flaherty, a film school fact, cinema verite, and direct cinema. This episode, I'm connecting with an old friend of mine, Craig Henneke. He's here with me now. How are you, Craig? I'm very good. How you doing, Bug? You know, it's it's a weird world. Yeah. And uh, this movie that we're going to talk about is going to get way into that, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is great. Uh, this will be my first documentary on Film oh. Church. I'm super stoked. And I've got quite a bit of stuff to talk about. But first, I want to know a little bit more about um, what you've been up to. Well, I am just staying alive, staying afloat in whatever way I can. I'm about two months away from wrapping up a graduate program for counseling. I'll be a professional counselor in two months from now. Right on. Yeah. So I'm juggling that, hanging with my five-year-old, soon-to-be six-year-old, being a dad and a grad student and a therapist, and yeah, <laughs> doing all the I, things. That's great. I have a couple of friends. I, I do some website maintenance and building on the side. I have a couple of people I do websites for that do counseling, mm. so I'm very familiar with the, the business. Yeah. Are you planning on uh, joining uh, an existing facility kind of a thing? or I am taking a break, honestly. <laughs> That's the first thing I'm going to do. I have some ideas of a private practice. Right I'm going to be moving out of oh. out of Oregon uh, this summer. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we're, we're up and out and to the Midwest. This is an exclusive that you have here. And uh, Whoa. yeah, so we are... I'm going to be relocating in Indiana and going to be starting from there. So I'm going to give myself some time to settle, get to know who's doing what. I have some ideas, but my vision is either be a part of a collective practice and or start my own. Nice. Um, yeah. There's like, I don't, I think I'm bringing some weirdness there and uh, <laughs> I think it's needed. So I'm excited. For sure. Right yeah. on. Midwest. That's a, yeah. that's a big change. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 20 years on the East, 20 years on the West. And then this nice, nice stretch a decade or so I'll do there. It's, it's about family and giving oh, my sure. son some time to be with cousins and his grandparents. And Great. yeah, it's a big shift, but it feels, it feels right. It feels scary and new, but also wildly exciting in this world where anything can go, you know, at any point. Oh Yeah. Yeah, we've we've been talking about potentially moving. We were thinking about uh, Minneapolis, actually. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get all in the same time zone. Yeah, that'd be fun. 
so it's it's a it's a big hurdle, but uh, it's possible. I don't know. We're, we've been on the fence. Well, good luck. That's Thanks, that's man. definitely a lot to handle. Moving plus you know changing jobs and reconnecting with family. It's great. Yeah, it's a good lot of you. a lot of things. Thanks, brother. Cool. All right. Well, this is where I usually start with the film festival, but I'm gonna do something else instead. Movie Magic Minutes, yes. Uh, Robert Flaherty. Have you heard that name before? Mm-mm, no. Well, you may have seen this, but let's get into it. Okay. In 1910, Robert J. Flaherty was hired by Sir William Mackenzie of the Canadian Northern Railway to explore and prospect the Hudson Bay Canadian Wilderness. In his travels, he encountered the Inuit people who told him of the Belcher Islands and its potential for rich mineral deposits. After exploring a second time and coming up with no iron ore for the railroad, Flaherty's tales about the Inuit people relayed to Sir Mackenzie impressed the railroad entrepreneur and a third expedition was funded. This time, Flaherty a man described as bulky and strong, broad-faced, blue-eyed and blonde, ruddy-cheeked, bull-necked, and monumental in appearance, set out with a glass plate still camera and Bell and Howell hand-cranked motion picture camera. This 18-month expedition included the filming of Inuit women, igloo building, and seal hunting, among other Inuit practices. When he returned and began editing the 30,000 feet of film, Flaherty let a cigarette roll off the table and drop onto some film scraps piled on the floor, which quickly ignited the nitrate film stock, a very flammable type of film, destroying everything except his positive editing print. Flaherty, who burned his hands and nearly lost his life in the fire, uh, had said he was not happy with this version of the film anyway. He explained, it was utterly inept, simply a scene of this or that, no thread of story or continuity. It must have bored the audience to distraction. Certainly it bored me. The First World War was coming to a close, and Robert Flaherty was eager to restart his Inuit film with another expedition. Eventually, Robert met Captain Thierry Mallet of the Revillon Friere. Uh, which means brothers in French, a fur trading company who, with the help of John Revion, wanted to fund the film for publicity and Flaherty was back in action. In 1919, Robert set out and proceeded to reconstruct the film with some stage scenes and other on-the-fly events or incidents that exemplified the Inuit way of life. Filming began with the hunting of the walrus on what Alakarialak called Walrus Island, Alakarialak, who was referred to by Flaherty as Nanook, promised to let Robert film everything, including the hunt and kill, and they set out to do just that. And if you've seen uh, this documentary, Nanook of the North, you'll know what I mean. Hmm. Have you seen that one? No. 1922. It's uh, it's the very first, what's considered the very first uh, documentary. 
When Flaherty got the film back to the camp, he processed the negative and made a print to show the village the mighty hunting of the walrus. In the book, The World of Robert Flaherty by Richard Griffith, Flaherty explained, Men, old men, women, old women, boys, girls, and children filed into the factor's house. Soon there is not an inch of space to spare. The short version of this tale is that this Inuit group could not believe their eyes and shouted, Be sure of your harpoon! And hold him, hold him! And dig in! As they watched Alakarialak and his hunting buddies take down the stuck walrus and haul it off the beach. Flaherty said, Bedlam rocked the house. Just like the dog. When describing the first audience screening, the first scene shot for his introductory feature documentary film, Flaherty today is regarded as the father of documentary and ethnographic films. Mm. If you haven't seen Nanook of the North, you can find it on Canopy or at the time of this recording, HBO Max um, has it if you have it. But yeah, 1922. So it's a silent film. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's quite, it, I haven't watched the entire film in a while. Um, I, I watched the, the walrus scene again. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, it's, it's very, um, what, what, what we'll get into next in a minute here, um, what they call like cinema verite. Um, mm-hmm. So it is just the camera and it's just showing the, the subject. There, you know, there's some stage stuff, you know, throughout the movie, but it's, pretty impressive and it is highly regarded um basically as the first serious feature-length documentary film wow yeah i wonder what ready cheeked means ready ready cheeked or ruddy ruddy cheeked yes oh okay so he was just drunk probably (laughs) If if he lit up all his film he's probably i mean come up and always staying warm yeah back in the day that's how they did it yeah yeah interesting guy he he wasn't really like setting out to be a filmmaker but because he was he just kind of fell in love with these people Mm -hmm. he ended up doing a lot more films well i wouldn't say a lot but a handful uh traveling the world and and just trying to document them Hmm. as they were hmm Interesting guy. Yeah. Cinema! Cinema! Film school fact. Cinema verite and direct cinema. And before I get into this, I, I wanted to discuss some different styles of documentary filmmaking. And this one, in terms of relating to hands on a hard body, there is some elements that of this style of cinema verite, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of documentaries will mix their styles. But this one has an interesting history. Inspired by photographers like Henry Cartier-Bresson and filmmakers like Robert Flaherty, a new movement of documentary filmmakers emerged in different parts of the world in the 1950s and 60s. With the advent of more lightweight and portable 16mm cameras and synchronized sound recording equipment, it was now possible to follow documentary subjects while recording dialogue on the spot. 
Robert, Drew, or Bob, who worked for Time magazine, didn't like the documentaries he was making as they were more like lectures than real life. He needed to re-engineer the equipment being used so camera and sound could be easily moved and carried. So he went to the publisher of Time to get backing to create a lightweight camera and sound system in uh, 1958. Um, so in 1958, he got uh, about a million dollars to do just that. Basically, that year, he got together with a, a crew of guys, and they modified an existing camera that made it light enough uh, to basically get the job done. Bob decided to make a film about the primary in Wisconsin with John F. Kennedy and Hubert Humphrey as their subjects. A four-day shoot with the help of Richard Leacock and Albert Maisels, Bob Drew made a revolutionary documentary that accomplished his goal to make a film that made the audience feel like they were there. Cinema Verite, translated from French, means truthful cinema. The North American version of this was referred to as direct cinema, the inspiration for this movement is said to come from Ziga Vertov's theory called Kino Pravda, which also means film truth. But for the movement coming out of the late 1950s and into the 60s, documentaries of this style are made to keep the filmmakers out of the spotlight. There was some confusion around the usage of the French cinema verite term, so I've got this from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Cinema verite can involve stylized setups and the interaction between the filmmaker and the subject, even to the point of provocation. Some argue that the obvious presence of the filmmaker and camera was seen by most cinema verite filmmakers as the best way to reveal the truth in cinema. The camera is always acknowledged, for it performs the raw act of filming real objects, people, and events in a confrontational way. The filmmaker's intention was to represent the truth in what he or she was seeing as objectively as possible, freeing people from any deceptions in how those aspects of life were formally presented to them. From this perspective, the filmmaker should be the catalyst of a situation. But the filmmakers of North America disagreed. Direct cinema, on the other hand, has been seen as more strictly observational, it relies on an agreement among the filmmaker, subjects, and audience to act as if the presence of the camera does not substantially alter the recorded event. Richard Leacock described his approach this way. We were shooting handheld, no tripod, no lights, no questions. Never ask anybody to do anything. To learn everything you could ever possibly desire about Cinema Verite and the direct cinema movement, go and watch the documentary Cinema Verite, mm. Defining the Moment by Peter Wintonick. You can find a link to watch the complete documentary in my show notes and to learn much more about the history of the development of the portable equipment created in the late 1950s check out a doc called The Camera That Changed the World. Also a link available in the show notes. Both of those documentaries are very, 
fascinating if you want to know anything about film history, especially documentary. Mm -hmm. I suggest it. And they're both free. Hmm. I yeah. I just pulled my Herzog on Herzog book off the shelf nice. and looked up Cinema Verite in, in his index. And in and I could hear in the Herzog voice, he says, I hope to be the one of the, one of those who finally <laughs> bury Cinema, Cinema Verite for the good. accountant's truth. It merely skirts the surface of what constitutes a deeper form of truth in cinema. <laughs> oh yeah it's so true it's uh there, there's another very famous documentarian uh frederick wiseman hmm. and he thinks that it's just a pretentious term cinema verite hmm. and even direct cinema he's, and it's true it's like you can't just slap a term on a documentary and say like this is what it is you yeah know? you're editing right like you're you're shaping the story no matter what and even yeah. if even if you're trying to just be a fly on the wall, right? You're still a fly, and there's and there, and a fly with a camera, and it's yeah. going to change things. <laughs> and it's a little bit bigger than a fly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's always going to be some influence. You know, you could say like you can definitely like the the style that this documentary goes for. It's different because you you're not getting the you're not being bombarded with voiceover narration from a non participant. You're not getting the questioning, you know, somebody sitting in a chair in these styles. So mm -hmm. it, it is definitely a style is different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a little, little bit of film school fact. Yeah. It's funny. I, I pulled out my old film book for this one. They, they just basically say cinema verite is the same as like direct cinema, but they also talk a little bit about that sort of thing but kind of just gloss over like this is just a term and this is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's probably a necessary step in the evolution of film. Like I like Herzog's when he records somebody in his documentaries and just lets it sit and lets that silence fill. And then they say their, their real thing. Like they give their, their response and then he sits with it. Errol Morris did it right. Like, oh yeah, just given that space, and that's a that's a skill I've I've learned to use in therapy too. Right, is just be with the silence and let let them unfold with you, and uh, you get more rich material that way. Yeah, mm. I agree. As humans, we have a tendency to need to think about it for a moment, and there is a lot of pressure to fill in those moments of silence yeah uh, silence makes us uncomfortable right and so like sometimes we'll just kind of rush to fill it even yeah and it doesn't allow that pre-thought sometimes too it's both it's both giving us time to process and spilling something maybe that we just want to fill the silence with because we're nervous yeah uh, well in podcasting i have definitely going you know i have to edit these things mm -hmm. so i go back and i hear my uh or you know yeah. And it's just a natural thing. Right. Until you can kind of overcome it. When you, once you become more aware of it, I feel like it's easier to not do it. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to have silence. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did want to mention one other thing before we start talking about our featured documentary. And it's another documentary. Have you seen Honeyland? No. Oh, Honeyland. man. Honeyland. So 2017, 
there's a, I have a short synopsis and then I have the synopsis from the filmmakers. Okay. And the synopsis from the filmmakers kind of ruins it. Hmm. So I don't know if I want to read that one. Okay. Or just a short one. I'm going to start with the short one. Okay. Honeyland follows the life of Hataja Muratova, a loner beekeeper of wild bees who lives in the remote mountain village in Macedonia. The documentary follows her lifestyle before, during, and after a disruptive and destructive uh, family moves in next door. And yeah, there's a lot more to it. That's kind of why I was kind of, I'm on the fence if I want to read this whole thing or not. To um, get a picture of there's a before and after and yeah, probably some disruptions. <laughs> yeah, it's a great documentary and it is in the, the more observational style. Mm-hmm. So there's just no voiceover narration. Mm. Uh, there's no questioning. You're just observing this woman's life as a beekeeper mm. and how this crazy family just storms in and changes everything mm. for that for that year. But check it out. It's so good. So, so good. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We have really interesting documentary to discuss. But where, where would you place this? I mean, so... You know, after discussing a little bit of style of documentaries, you know, it, for my fiction films, I always talk about genre. Mm-hmm. There's this is what I would call participatory, because it's more like Michael Moore. Uh, he, the director, uh, S. R. Bindler. Mm-hmm. He'll step in. He's got that microphone, and he's using it and putting it over to the his subject and you know, asking the questions. So it's it's very it's very. I don't know if I would call it standard, but I feel like this style is more popular for docs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. I don't know genre genre, but I would, it feels like a sociological film to me, you know? Yeah. It's capturing yeah. this precious moment. I mean, it's almost ethnographic in the sense that you're, you see, you check out these, this town, mm-hmm. Longview, Texas, and here they are. Yeah, just doing it's, it. It's quite um, a slice of different types of people. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So yeah, the director um, S. R. Bindler, released in ninety seven. Do you, do you remember? Was it was it ninety five? Yeah, the competition ninety five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was um, had been going on for a little while. What what impressed you about this documentary the most, and and have you when was when did you first see it? I don't. I'm trying to remember. I was trying to think of that. I I feel like it's something I would have found at Clinton Street Video way yeah. back when I was just being curious there and being open. You know. Um, yeah. It must have been in the early 2000s when I was there. Just the idea. I th- you know I love those those types like i remember it was something called i think it was word wars which was like the scrabble competition documentary i like <laughs> i like those they're totally absurd and it's just this moment and so when i i got the dvd and checked it out i mean benny's language is over the top and oh man the hyperbole that he puts out like it does it, it really makes the film but then just like you're saying it's a total slice of life most um, definitely there was just so many different characters and just different motivations, you know, 
it's fascinating. I agree. It, and it's a t- you know time capsule at this point. We're ninety seven. Yeah, or I guess ninety ninety five. At some editing time, it's hard to edit a documentary. And this was his first film. Mm-hmm. I believe I read somewhere that uh, Matthew McConaughey gave him money to do this. Oh yeah, I saw that he's in the credits. Okay, I think. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't notice the, in the credits, but it, there was um, an article that I read and it mentioned that they, I think they went to the same school in New York. Okay. Something like that. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so the, this movie starts out talking about Longview, how, how it's situated between what Dallas and Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And we get kind of get introduced to the, the dealership first. I want to I want to play a clip for you, okay, uh, which was included in that the first like nine minutes, which anybody can go and you know watch on uh, Hands on the Hard Body Movie. I think it's Hands on a Hard Body Movie dot com, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Blake talking about. Well, listen. Here in Texas, especially uh, trucks, trucks to a Texan is kind of like his hat. You know, he's, it's either a cowboy hat or he's going to have a hat on his head. And uh, that's the way trucks are here in Texas. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he didn't quite get it all out right. What do you think he wanted to say? Well, he's something like, because hats, I think he wanted to say, here. I, he wanted to say trucks are like a hat, not hats are like a hat. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, here in Texas, especially, trucks to a Texan is kind of like his hat, you know? It's either a cowboy hat or he's going to have a hat on his head. <laughs> <clears throat> Which, you know, people, you know, it's people on the spot. So mm-hmm. everybody does it. That's what trucks are here in Texas. So he kind of just doesn't quite connect the truck to the hat. <laughs> And this was, you know, the late '90s was a real hat time in Texas, from what I understand. So yes, it yes. was it was true. He was really capturing it so much so that people were literally hats. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. So te- Texan is yeah. I thought that that's a funny way to put it. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of sets it up for the folks that you're about to meet. So they talk about the, a new Nissan truck, and it's totally decked out as the prize. Which, what do you think of decked out Nissan? Totally new Nissan truck, totally decked out. Yeah, so what is, what is what decked is out? Yeah. What is decked out? In 90, in the, is it like, it's a CD <laughs> player, right? I would think so. There's, I mean, somebody wanted a bed liner because you, you don't want to scratch it up. That was clear. Oh, yeah, Benny says that later on. Yeah. There's also like a bunch of fucking decals all over the thing, including handprints. Handprints, yeah. And the, and the contestants have to wear gloves in order to avoid getting the oils all over the paint. <laughs> but yet there's these handprints. Anyway. Yeah. It's, and it, it's like the, it reminds me of like the t-shirts that people used to wear in the 90s. That changed. Like, like the bright neon colors. Yeah, you know, with like the the, the the triangles and squares or whatever. Yeah, the, the handprints remind me of that. So it's like the worst '90s 
yeah. decor they could think of. I don't know. There's a but deli sponsor. Man. There's like, it's like a, it's like Josh's deli is on the back of the truck. I, you, when you slow it down <laughs> and look and you're like, that's your prize. You get it. You know, the you shout get out. to advertise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. And yeah. a Nissan, right? Like, I, you know, everybody else is driving these American trucks and I, I, you know, whatever. But I just think when I think of Texas, I would think it's this kind of like all American truck. Yeah. Well, is the the dealership's a Nissan dealer? Is that right? I think so. I don't know. I, I think, think so. that's, yeah. It's really not the focus of the, the doc. Yeah. But it is a Nissan truck. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what, what would you do? How, how far would you go to get this truck? You know? Yeah. Well, and it, we, so we meet Benny. Yeah. And he was the 92 winner. Yeah. He's back for another truck. 87 hours. The first time? It, yeah. Yeah. 87 hours. Yeah. I don't and know. Math. Back, yeah. I'm not good at math, but I think that's 75 days straight. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. It's pretty long. Much. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it seems like when you're doing that, I'm sure it seems like it's just you don't you lose total track. Yeah. As as we find out when you get to towards the end of the movie, people are just freaking out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have another little clip here. And let's see this one. That person could possibly be. They would have the mindset for it. Because it is it's a conditioning. You've got to have the metal. You've got to have the metal. You got to have the metal. He's talking about a Marine. Someone that's right. right out of the Marine Corps. Yeah, that's right. That it would have to be somebody straight out of the Marine Corps. That could be Benny Perkins. Yeah, which uh, right, right after that, I think it is, they start talking to Greg, who is straight out of the Marine Corps. Yeah. So they set up this... I don't know what how to, what to call it a face off of sorts I, guess, mm. I suppose early like yeah the, the yeah they kind of like this has got to be the last two right yeah 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 but uh, we find out something else so also anybody <clears throat> tuning in we're gonna ruin this documentary for you so you haven't watched it yet yeah stop and go watch it's only an hour and a half you can buy it directly from the filmmakers for five ninety nine. Or you could uh, get the package deal and get all the extra interviews, which uh, I think is another hour, almost an hour and a half of extra interview footage. Wow. So if you were that into this movie, which uh, it's pretty awesome. It's a great time capsule. Go check it out first. Yeah. And you can watch the first nine minutes too on their website, which is where all this content comes from. And... If you watch carefully before the even title comes up, you, you see the winner. They show the winner in, in this like kind of real peripheral shot of him driving. Do they? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not very clear, but afterwards you're like, oh, that was totally the winner. And I don't want to give away the winner yet. I don't know. Right, right. But, yeah, if you don't want to know the winner, go watch it. Yeah, but it is revealed right before the the um, the titles comes on. You see him driving. Uh, this like just this corner of his face with his hat, and you're like, after watching it, you know, 
500 times. You're like, oh, there, huh, there it is. <laughs> well, I did not catch it um, the third or fourth time I watched it. I did watch this movie over and over this last week because I was fascinated. Lucky. Well, you know, late nights. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> too, too I love many. it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Craziness. So yeah, that's the next. They pretty much kind of have like a montage of all the different contestants, kind of introducing them with their different motivations. Yeah, yeah. Some people and want it, races, right? Kelly mm-hmm. is that Kelly? Yeah, the young the young girl, and then Greg Cox, who is the Marine. Mm-hmm. They all want this truck. Yeah, Russell Welch, who is the cowboy farmer mm-hmm. he's got lots of cattle yeah he needs a truck to haul and here he sold it he gave away a truck already or he's thinking about selling the one he has yeah, yeah. right they got he has some motivation mm-hmm. norma, norma norma valverde yeah and didn't didn't they sell their truck too i think they they said like as soon as they found out that they had made it in Oh, they really? sold their truck. Yeah. Wow. That's faith. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Norma is working with higher power. That's um, right. She's got some backing. Yeah. Some Jimmy. Some probably... I don't know Jimmy's last name, but Jimmy's the. Jimmy Cole. Jimmy Cole's driving around Texas in a little Volkswagen Beetle and he's being teased left and right. And he just wants <laughs> some status, right? That's right. Ronald, Ronald McCowan. Yeah, truck him making money. He's an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. He came from another town, it sounded like, mm-hmm. way out in the sticks. And his motivation, I mean, all of their motivation was very similar. Some, you know, some variation a bit, but they all, they're all seeking this status symbol. Yeah, it's largely financial, right? A lot of them. It's, it's like ease or access. And then, except, I mean, Benny doesn't talk about why, except the, maybe, yeah, the recognition of a two-truck winner. Well, I think, didn't, didn't he later on say that he wanted to give it to his wife? Oh, did he? I know the winner does. Right. I didn't remember. Is that I what think... Benny's going to do with it? He's yeah. going to try to drive two trucks at once throughout Texas. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, maybe it might. Maybe I read it in an article mm-hmm. after the fact. I don't remember if it was in the movie. Now it's all a blur. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have Jimmy and his friend Richard, Richard Morris. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much, they, they were just like kind of buddies, mm-hmm. kind of trying to outdo each other. It felt like. Yeah, they're, they're just having a good time. I mean, they're there for kicks, and I love. I mean, some of the motivations they're they're for each other. They're like Beavis and Butthead live, right on the truck, <laughs> cracking each other up. Right. What was the name? Was it Paul, the guy who like made a, made friends, his community? He like yeah yeah. Oh, that's, that's one of the most beautiful things. He came comes back. He's just Paul. rooting him on. Paul Prince. Oh yeah. After Paul after Prince. he dropped out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was Raúl. Mm-hmm. Raúl Martinez. Mm-hmm. He made it quite a ways. He did. And Tom, Tom Felkner. Oh, yeah. Tom's got the coolest haircut of all of them. He <laughs> he thought he could do it. Like, he, what was his 
they just do that contrast shot where they're like, he's like, I can do this. And then like, you know, so they show the, the spinning rims and then he's like, I'm, t- I'm tired. I gotta yeah. admit, I'm pretty tired. He basically is like, I'm in it for the long haul mm-hmm. and then drops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Russell's wearing his boots, right? That was the, like the shoot, the footwear was a whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. So I've got, so there were, the, I think they normally said they had 25 contestants, but at the beginning of this, they said 23 mm-hmm. as an inner title. And so I, I wonder if maybe a couple dropped out at the beginning or they couldn't get all 25. Yeah. The rules of the contest. Mm-hmm. So whoever keeps their hand on on the hard body the last one on wins five minute breaks uh, once per hour and then a 15 minute break every six hours and you have to have one hand on the truck at all times and then no leaning or squatting yeah and that's intense so that kind of just sets up this like if you just try to imagine yourself standing in one spot and so you can't do it any longer mm-hmm. with just a hand. You can't take your hand off of something. Like no matter where you are, if you're standing outside, it's hard. Like it's, you think that you, it's ah, whatever, it's not a big deal. But as we see, it is actually quite a big deal. Yeah. It's three fucking days, right? <laughs> so you're standing holding whatever <laughs> it is for three days. You can't crouch. You can't like, I mean, you got to like figure out all sorts of ways to, to stretch and, and, and care for your body, minimize right. movement, right? Like Benny's strategy is to, to be pretty minimal. Yeah. Some people are moving around the truck a lot once it starts opening up. Right. You know? Yeah. Let's, uh, so the, since we're getting into the full intro here, uh, let's play this other clip from Benny. When it gets down to the last two, that's when it gets really tough because he's got most of his friends and family there most of your friends and family there and then you've got fans and everybody's rooting for somebody you know and if you look over here into the friends and family and and fans of uh, this other person you know they're looking at you like okay you need to quit you know well if you're looking better than this other person they're really upset with you and you can see it and it deals with you it really works on you and you say, hey, man, I don't deserve that, you know. And then you get to thinking about, well, hey, you know, all these people are up here, and don't they realize that we're suffering, that we're hurting? And, you know, you feel like they're kind of bloodthirsty in a way. And, I mean, they're there to see this spectacle, and it seems so absurd, very absurd. And you have to realize later, hey, you know, it's a human drama thing. And it's more than just a contest. And it's more than just winning a truck. Yeah. It's more than just winning a truck. That guitar on top of that cello, that low note that's just like, whoo, I want to yeah. I want to listen to that soundtrack. Yeah, that's good. It really carries the, the story. Mm-hmm. So appropriate. Oh, so it's a human drama thing. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, f- I feel like, so the, the timing of this documentary 
it's so hard to imagine how he lucked out because, you know, he just came out of school and they're like, we need to work on our skills. We're going to, we need some practice. And I don't know how he came across the dealership. I think probably you heard the advertisement for the contest and went down there. I would, I think that's what happened, Mm. but being able to get Benny who had won, he's, I mean, he makes the doc. Mm -hmm. His, the character he possesses (laughs) and the knowledge he possesses about the process really sets them up for great success to look for all of the little things that he gave to them. Because all of those interviews were done before this contest took place. So it gave them the opportunity to really know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And Benny does not like stay in the realm of of cinema verite benny uses rich metaphor and brings it into like i mean he's talking about highlander he's talking about killing deers <laughs> he's talking about the exhilaration of yeah i mean he is he's talking about who can lose their mind or who's the how does he say it he says something about who's the last person to lose their mind essentially right right and he looks intense like he doesn't look like he's ever squinted like he is a wide-eyed <laughs> dude who looks like he has just been staring at the sun relentlessly he doesn't give a shit like he is like he sounds like he's won a dozen trucks already this way you know it's such expertise <laughs> right well i think too like after all of this you know, some years later he ended up going to iraq as a subcontractor for like a diesel engines or something like that mechanic Mm -hmm. so yeah he's a he's one of those tough texans Mm -hmm. for sure yeah it it shows yeah 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 he doesn't he's there and and it's intimidating right there's there's a generational component to it the Mm -hmm. younger contestants are pretty annoyed by the kind of by him specifically that he's back they don't think it's fair right um and it's real just a random drawing people going to the dealership for a stretch over a week and getting their names in there's something weird that they all talk about going early in each day to get and which doesn't quite make sense when it's just like you get one a day to enter this raffle yeah benny benny seemed to think that getting in early like the very beginning gave him better luck at yeah. getting picked yeah but I, I wonder if he did it every year and he just happened to get it, you know, in 92 and 95. Yeah. I got a feeling. I wonder if he came back. Oh yeah. I bet. Well, maybe. Have you read about the fate of it? I, I have. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll talk about that too. Mm-hmm. So there was a scene So after they describe, you know, the, the terms of the contest, Mike Maris, one of the veteran contest judge, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> he picks Kelly uh, as uh, she's going to be the winner mm-hmm. uh, since she uh, t- is taking her smart breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got the right shoes and garb. Yeah, here we go. Um, and she eats fish and bananas. Yeah, yeah. And she's uh, prepared with a lawn chair. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's he's all going off on Russell and his cowboy boots. Russell has boots on. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Russell's got boots. What's he thinking? What? <laughs> so he's like got the inside scoop. Like he's been he like if there was a blog back then, he was writing about the the hard body contest. How does that? How does he get that title of like the, the veteran contest? <laughs> So 92, 93, 94, the year four. He's that seen makes it. you a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> He's seen the shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it is. It is crazy. Well, uh, and, you know, contestants are learning live, right? Like Ronald sends his buddies over to the Kmart because he's <laughs> he's got those. He's wearing flip-flops and he wants Reeboks. He's going to pump it up. That's Definitely. right. He knows, right? <laughs> like, he's like, oh, shit. This isn't working. <laughs> exactly <laughs> gotta get the pumps I'm gonna pump it up another little time capsule moment there for yeah. the late 90s yeah what was that what else did ronald say was, well ronald going, was going with the snickers like he had a very specific oh yeah he said he said he was gonna go too he wasn't gonna go too fast and then eat a orange and a snicker yeah and yeah. I run track. Right. So when he ran track, he, he would only eat an orange mm-hmm. and a snicker. Right. And we do find out what happens later with that strategy. Yeah, I think his dad's there to chew him out. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't be eating all this goddamn candy. <laughs> and and Ronald like was like all about the heat. He didn't want the tent over the car. He won't right. like, except if there was some thunder and lightning and then he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. If there's thunder and lightning. That's right. <laughs> he's like anything else. As <laughs> soon as there's lightning, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. They're all it, it. The frame of mind that they all have to enter with their different approaches. Right. Is so phenomenal. The other component that they don't talk about in the film at all, which I believe is the stronger endurance contest. They have to listen to this local country radio station yeah for three days straight commercial everything you know what i mean i think yeah the the people though that are in this contest listen to this radio station to to learn about the contest so they probably like it yeah but that much man i mean there's a difference of like catching some songs (laughs) on the radio in your car versus part of my training is i listen to kpf whatever it is for 10 straight because you know who doesn't listen to it and gets so far it's Norma. Right. She's got, she's, she's got the block. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to walk the gospel. Man. Cassettes, like a trunk full of cassettes. She's got them all sprawled out all over the car. Yeah. <laughs> and there, was it Jimmy? Jimmy's impressed with, with her uh, ability mm-hmm. to channel the Holy Holy Ghost. Yeah. He's um, very curious. Yeah. Kind of like, it, I want to get what she's getting. You know? Well, even, even later on, Benny, he's like, it, all this laughing is going to do him in, but then he decides. Actually, it seems to help, and hey, he starts joined. joining in. He got touched. Yeah, yeah. he got it. <laughs> so Benny also um, had a moment where he's talking about eating. He says that was a part of it. What I decided to eat and drink. You got to eat right. They'd eat a hamburger. Took them out, and mm. I, I knew it wouldn't be long before they'd be gone. If you eat something heavy like that, it's gonna take you down, just like that. Some of the other guys were eating burgers. Yeah, I, I, I think that part came from the interview. 
So he had observed this in the previous contest. Or I kind of wonder if he was actually a judge when he didn't get selected. Hmm. Because I did see some pictures. Oh, there's a there's a Facebook page for this. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And they've been uploading photos from the old contests. Oh, wow. Um, and there is one from, I think it was 2003. I, Benny and I think JD was there. Hmm. So I think maybe they some of these folks go on to become judges or they try to keep track of people. Yeah, they keep them in. I mean, it's it's a community, you know. Yeah, that's right. Join in the the tribe. The woman who um, created the contest, I just read up on her, and she passed away in December of this year. Oh, yeah. You know they they had some kind of tribute on the Facebook page. She's in the documentary as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the one who's doing the rules. She comes in with the like correction midway through, like right, like, the like, judges. Hey, y'all. Yeah, who are these ju- these two people who are the judges, right? <laughs> who are not like the most trained. Like, how many truck contests are they doing? Like the because it becomes controversial because some people start to gripe that I saw somebody lift their hand and nobody caught it. You know, there's footage right. of it. There's footage of people getting away with it. Oh yes, that was Janice. We didn't we didn't mention her name yet. Right. Yeah, Janice Curtis and her husband Don. Don. And the twenty ton air conditioner. Yeah. Yeah. You can bring the house down to what is it? Negative twenty degrees? Negative ten. Negative ten. Sorry, I don't want to disrespect. <laughs> yeah. We got a deal on a Kmart AC unit, set it up to his real house, found out that that motherfucker would chill his house down to negative 10, <laughs> learn the hard way. But he doesn't like it. He actually prefers the, the, the warm, you know, Texas air. Yeah. Sitting on his porch. Yeah. So they, but, yeah. but to train for this, they turned off the AC unit, <laughs> which I mean, like, what is it? What is going on in that house where there's like, what, I mean, even if it's not 10, negative 10 degrees, like what, what range of, what is he, is he just have like a, like a, just like half of cow in the living room because it's still <laughs> 25 degrees. And is that like, what the fuck is going on there? Yeah. Hanging the beef. Yeah. That's the sides of beef in the bedroom. Right. Well, I think he's a house builder. Right. I think he mentions that. Okay. So he, I think that's why he gets the going out of business sale, 20 ton mm-hmm. air unit. Yeah. I get it's, he's so proud of it. He's you very, can, yeah. You can hear it in his voice. Yeah. No, he's there. And he's got a beautiful, he's like, he's there for um, Janice. He's got a sign. He's wearing a sign on his head. Um, yeah. Matching her hour for hour. Yeah. And he says he can stay up 101 hours without sleep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But then they, didn't he say that they were, they had already been up for 24 hours <laughs> when they started? <laughs> Like, what is what's your strategy there, buddy? <laughs> you got to practice. You got to get you got to get in early. Yeah, they probably stayed up for four more days after in that goddamn air unit. <laughs> frozen. They were found frozen three days later, and are still being thawed out. Well, and yeah. Jimmy Jimmy Cole, the the Volkswagen guy, mm-hmm. he also said that he was practicing. He was he stayed up forty hours, right? And it, and his dad told him, "Don't do that. <laughs> what do you go sleep?" And so he went and slept. <laughs> <laughs> That's the like I love that that subtle theme of dad wisdom that shows up in the film, and just these few ways of like, 
Come on, man. Put the fucking candy bars away. Go to sleep. Come on. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to tell you what to do. You're a grown ass man, but you gotta you gotta get you can't just be eating Snicker bars. Oh man. That's right. The dads, they know. The dads know. I want to know Benny's dad, you know? Yeah, he never showed up. Yeah. He's he's got his wife there though, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was his his cheer cheer squad. Yeah. There's a lot of love. I mean, that's the thing. It really is a lot about relationships, the support. Each of them, they have their their crew. I don't really know right. of any that were really running solo. Even even like um, Jimmy and Richard were there for each other. I don't know if their family was there, but they were there for each other in that way. And yeah, it's- yeah, it looked like Jimmy had a girlfriend or something that was there. Oh right, but, when he's walking away. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean it seemed like people would come and go, especially at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it was like Greg when he bowed out. He was like, he said something like, "If I, if I'm thinking about quitting, just kick me in the ass." Yeah, kick my ass. I'm, I'm, I'm think. Yeah, he starts losing it a little bit. In his mind. And then, and it's like three forty-five in the morning. He's like, "I'm done." Yeah, yeah. I think he didn't quite make forty-eight. I think it was forty-five hours. Hmm. I wonder what sensation Benny would say it felt like to see somebody fresh out of the Marine leave because he talks about the thrill and the ecstasy of seeing each person drop out. But right. that probably for him was like the one, right? Well, I wonder if, did he know? You don't really know if they, like who they talked to. I mean, you, you know, some of them because they talk about it, but you know, Benny's just got JD like mimicking everything that he's doing mm-hmm. and then participating a little bit with Norma. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if he knew that he was a Marine after he made that statement. Oh. You know, because was that, there was that pre-interview. But I bet you word travels in the, in the like, around the Nissan. <laughs> Literally, you're just standing around. It's like the, 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 the office water cooler, except it's a <laughs> decked out 95 Nissan. They probably know all sorts of things from each other. And I'm sure he had some, if he was just out of the Marines, I'm sure there was some regalia, even where he was resting. I, I, yeah. I, he I, was I, wearing camo. Camo well, pants. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. He, they probably got around through the filmmakers, too. I kind of wonder oh, how sure. much. Yeah, they put, put it in Benny's ear, right? Yeah. Yeah. It would just be more motivation. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was something else, too. Oh, the rain. Somebody's like saying, hey, Benny, what about this rain at the very beginning? Mm-hmm. He's like, ain't nothing. Yeah. It's just ain't a factor. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And then there's there's JD, right? JD, yeah. Drew, who's just like kind of this peripheral guy, just easygoing, keeping focus, keeping calm, loving, loving partners there for him. Right. Eating bananas, smoking cigarettes, drinking some sort of weird vitamin, motor fluid, hybrid <laughs> shit, something. <laughs> and uh, and just like, I feel good. I feel good. He's just yeah. cruising right under the radar. Smoking non-filters. He is? Yeah. yeah. Non-filters. Oh, right. Yeah. Cowboy. Cowboy yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. He... um. And he's mimicking, right? So he's he sets himself up next to Benny, mm-hmm. 
and we see many times right before they get started, like after their break, they're doing the the crouch kind the of crouching stretch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Benny takes them under his wing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get some some stare downs towards the end there. Well, yeah. I mean, we can spoil it, right? Yeah, it's not. A, I think at this point, <laughs> Benny doesn't win. But when he <laughs> is losing, he shifts and turns into some something else again with the eye, the intensity of his eye contact. And he's just rocking mere foot away from JD. And there's a lot of space left, right? There's three contestants at that point, I think. And Benny is just rocking and staring through JD Drew with all. And, and JD is just easy going and just kind of like, whoa. Something happened here. He knew. He said he shares. He's like at our last break. Benny told me my my legs are going. Right. But man, he is right. like it's it's a it's a trauma response right there in Benny's body, and he is he is trying to figure out how to make sense of it because he's just rocking. Right. Well, and, and earlier on, he does mention like he talks about going numb. Yeah, you don't want to go numb. It's a bad sign. It's a real bad sign. And I think there there were people talking about going numb pretty early on, mm-hmm. like within the first twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah. So going going back a little bit too, when things t- kind of started to break down, there was something Ronald, you know, before he bows out mm-hmm. from his snicker consumption, mm-hmm. he's asked, "How many? Let's see, how many Snickers have you had?" And he thinks about it. And do you remember what he says? I don't. I don't know the exact number. No, or he it... doesn't. He doesn't respond to that question. He says, "Hell, how many breaks I had?" <laughs> so he's yeah. So they'll do the math. One per at least. <laughs> yeah. And I think. Let's see. At that point, so that at that point, you know, he's he's still in it for a moment, Ronald. Mm-hmm. But then we go through a short montage of uh, basically what, what is a truck good for? Mm-hmm. And everybody's kind of coming together and, and giving their reasons. I think, is it Kelly? Yeah, Kelly's the first one. She's like, something that you have to have, hauling stuff around. She's got like a mom who runs an antique store. Mm-hmm. So you got to have, you got to have a truck. Yeah. Ronald says a truck is a force. Mm. It's not a car. It's a force. Yeah. Truck will make you money. Can't make money with a car. Yeah. 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 And uh, moving cattle and equipment for, is that Russell? Yeah. Russell's, Russell's the rancher. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody said that they never had a new truck before. Mm -hmm. I think it was Tom. Hairdo Tom. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a status symbol. Uh, it's a huge motivator, especially in Texas, and especially for someone driving what he referred to as a bug. Right. He's got this little purple VW, just and it's like the, just the cutaway shots of him just looking like a tiny, yeah, just a little fella making his yeah. way around. But he lives there, right? Like he's from, isn't he from there? It looks like yeah. he he kind of looks like somebody from California that ended up there, you know? He, yeah. Well, and funny, funnily enough, he wants to go to California. Wants to, yeah. And become. Oh, a stunt man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I wonder if he did. He, he, said, 
he looked ready cheek ready cheeked not ruddy but he had like a his his face the way his face was composed was like yeah, i can see this man tumbling into boxes and like yeah <laughs> he said right before he quit or probably after maybe when i get my truck i'll head out to california mm. try out the stunt man thing yeah the dream was alive back then i mean oh yeah it was there was all sorts of possibilities. Yeah, that was the year that I actually headed out to film school. I was early see the year I was preparing to do that. Man, ninety seven. Wait, it was ninety five. True, that's right. Yeah, this right? didn't release until ninety seven. Yeah, so for him, I was, was in even high school. Yeah, I was just a. I was yeah. Yeah, I, I was whew, long time ago. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't think I held anything for hours, let alone days. I wouldn't. <laughs> I was probably eating Snickers though, and I get the ar- like the orange, like oh yeah, those orange wedges. Yeah, there's a unique cut for track and for like <laughs> gym or field day or whatever was going on back then. I remember that. And Reeboks, right? Like that was very like oh yeah, that I remember that. Oh yeah, that's real. Back in the day, that was okay. So around that time is when they everybody starts talking about how nobody wants Benny to win. Yeah. We've been talking on the other side of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> we don't think it's fair. Yeah. And they go into this whole spiel like, well, if he's won before, why should he have another chance to do it again? Which is kind of absurd, right? I mean, it's an, like if he can stand there for three days and stare people's souls down, <laughs> let him, you know, them go for it, right? Let them do it. I mean, Benny's Benny's a legend, you know. Yeah, yeah. It. I like I like watching him. I mean, it, he really made it. He really made the doc. Uh, so, and that's when he's talking about. Uh, at the end, there can be only one. Then there was. I feel like there was another scene too, where he was specifically referring to Highlander. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, a movie that he just had just learned about. Like he's like referencing it as if it was just coming out. And he's like, right. you've heard of this movie Highlander. Well, and then his, his descriptions of the exhilaration kind of matched what happens in Highlander mm-hmm. where in that film, oh, what's the name of the main character? I don't remember, but you behead the other competitors basically. Mm-hmm. And then you get all of their energy which seemed like a very exhilarating thing. So yeah. I wonder if he pulled that from that movie as well. I'm sure going through his <laughs> system was the idea that he had just beheaded each and every person that he beat as they left. <laughs> I swear, you know, he like took some big old breath and just landed right in his system. Like, I got, a, <laughs> I got some part of your soul right now inside. <laughs> yeah, five more hours for each soul. Yeah. But then he gets a real sad too, right? He says it's a sad thing after all of the exhilaration. Yeah, there's a letdown, right? With the the high must come the low. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it truly is the the human drama. Yeah. He knows. I I feel like around this time is like when the mental clarity really starts to break down Mm -hmm. in everyone. I think it's around like 37 hours in. Not even at the halfway point. Yeah. Or right. barely at that. Yeah. Wow. 
and before all of this too, that I kind of wanted to see more of this guy, but there was a psychologist that they talked to. Oh yeah. What was that guy's name? Do you? Yeah. Ronald J. Jerub. Jerub. Psychologist. Dr. Jerub. Yeah. I know. It was funny to look at him now. Like they went to his office. He wasn't at the show. He wasn't at the contest. Right. They just, yeah, this was definitely a sit, sit and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see more of, of his, you know, analysis. Yeah. Maybe they probably just didn't think about it at the time. I believe that this film is now used as an example. I'm not sure of what exactly. I didn't, I didn't get that far into my research, but it, it was mentioned as an example of mental stability and sleeplessness and the, the dangers that it can present. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. We'll talk about the dangers fully when we get through the rest of the movie. Oh yeah. And that breakdown, I really, Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, she, you can see she's kind of losing it when she's like, they ask her what she's eating and she says a peanut butter and banana sandwich mm-hmm. and the that laugh <laughs> that she belts out is scary yeah <laughs> she's well she's she, her mouth is like a jaw at that one point she was she the one that was taking the showers like the tub showers in the back of another pickup during her breaks i think that was carrie there's carrie and kelly i keep getting them mixed up because they both spell their name with an i at the end Mm. Oh yeah, they were buddies. Yeah. Oh, we haven't the, talked about Angie either. No, that's right. Yeah, she makes an appearance here and there. She makes it quite a ways. But didn't too. she come back and win the following year? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They they throw that up as a title, which is and her, her she's just preoccupied with looking good. <laughs> she she literally there's like you're looking good oh, i don't look good no. she's <laughs> like she pushes back on that she's like but a, a, a friendly policeman gave me his cup of coffee right but she comes yeah. back the next year and, and gets it that's right yeah she let's see i didn't note the hour but it was between i think that was right before the 59th hour which i have documented for russell mm dropping out because he accidentally leaned on the truck. Yeah. And yeah, but she made it quite a ways. Mm-hmm. And obviously if she came back the next year and took home the truck, it's impressive. And there should have been a sequel. I know I would, I, I mean, I would, I would have watched every year until it wrapped up. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's where Benny's talking about when people are dropping out, and he gets this. It's, it's awesome, it's <laughs> exhilarating. It's like killing a deer, right? <laughs> He's just licking his lips across the car as people like get told, and that's the other pressure, right? Like, think about the judges who have to. Everyone's so sweet, and they're trying so hard, and right. you see somebody make one little move, like that's considered a lean, or that's like you know or your right. hand shifted and they're not ma- they're not seeing each one there's a big it's controversial janice brings it out janice leaves of her own volition right like her right. own conscience right yeah because she she felt felt guilty yeah at least that was what she said yeah. for uh, taking her hand off yeah god saw it 
like she she talks about being like the, the the only person that knows is God, and that she in you know in good conscience she can't stay, right? But she's been seeing it the whole time. She's very upset, right? It's kind of a shame that they didn't catch that whole sequence. Well, that as far as the filmmaking on that part, they missed yeah. so many of them. It's hilarious yeah. when they yeah. bum rush each other. You gotta go see. Yeah, Benny. Benny's on the ropes. You gotta get it. And he's like inside. Like, what are you doing watching Norma P when Benny's about? To, like, you gotta have a camera. They don't. They miss so many shots. Yeah, was it like a one camera shoot? There was were. It- uh, he. I read a thing about it. He did. I think he had two, and then he had a fixed camera that was like kind of like a time lapse thing. But he said it was too whimsical to use, from what mm. I read. So he never oh. included that footage. Time lapse. Yeah, that might have been too much. Yeah. Yeah, if it would have been a little closer to our time, it would have been interesting to see like a bunch of GoPros set up. Oh, absolutely, right? Man, that would have been hard to edit. Yeah. But when you're making a doc, I mean, you you have to be ready to do at least 100 hours to have a a decent amount of stuff to work with, I feel. I mean, they say like 70 to 100 or somewhere around there. Well, they did it for this, right? They they (laughs) probably had more. I mean, considering yeah. the, all the stuff outside of the actual competition, mm-hmm. it's epic. Yeah. Although they must have been taking a lot of breaks because they missed some good stuff. Well, and they, I yeah, I read, I read that they originally had a, a schedule where they were going to do it in shifts. Did you read this? No, I missed it. And that they they had this whole thing mapped out of each person doing eight hour shifts so they can keep. And then as soon as the first night came, they were like, "I don't want." Somebody was like. I don't want to miss it. I'm going to, I, I can't. And then they were like, well, no, but the grid, this is going to throw it. And it was like, everyone basically was like, no, we're not going to miss this. This is, <laughs> this is something different. We have to stay for this. So they threw it out the window and just went and just took like cat naps in the car, um, in the apartment wow. and stuff. Yeah. So they essentially were participating. Yeah. Which is when you see, I don't know if it's, it's been there interviewing, Norma, when she's kind of giving those tranced out answers and she's losing her shit and he starts giggling, you know, he's in that corner and he brings his face in. It's just kind of, you just see him laughing. Whoever that person is in that moment. Right. Is totally sleep deprived as well. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. They don't talk about that in the film at all. Right. They don't break that wall and talk about how even the filmmakers are losing their minds, but that make also makes sense why they would be missing these super critical shots of somebody yeah. coming off the car. Right. They're losing it. They, yeah. They should have stuck with the schedule, but it's way too tempting. Yeah. I mean, they could have watched it, all the footage. Mm-hmm. There's something Not about, the same. Yeah. There's something about seeing the being in the room or being in the, in the parking lot of the car lot under the tent where souls are leaving people's bodies and the, the, the feeling of, of uh, killing a deer is happening at least 22 times, 23 times, you know, you don't want to miss that. No. Yeah. They're, they're becoming part of the tribe as well. Yeah. Big time. Yes. Which Paul, like, I mean, Paul Prince's story for that, like that focusing on that is, it's so powerful. Like he, it's kind of creepy. I mean, there's definitely creepy parts. He's, he's kind of lurking a little bit to Angie. Like he's playing with her hair with his glove. Like there's some creepy shit. (laughs) I don't want it to just like, I don't want to grant permission for this kind of etiquette in a hard body contest, but he, he's like, he's so touched by the community formed. 
And he's and to the point, and he still he doesn't have those boundaries when when Norma finally loses it, and she's her her mind is shot, and he's trying to talk her through stuff, and she's like, "I gotta get the kids and go home." He's like, "No, no, no, you can't." And she, he's, he's he doesn't know what to do in that moment, how to how to be with her in that space. Right. And he's like, "We're here. I'm I'm your buddy." <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> "I think I met you, you know, forty seven <laughs> hours ago, like on the r- bumper of this car." What do you you know? <laughs> But he came back. Yep. He rested, washed up, came back, and was just rooting for his community. Ready to go. Yeah. It's precious. Yep. Showing his love. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to imagine trying to go through something like this with people. But maybe it is very, I don't know, cathartic or eye-opening, mind-blowing, religious Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, definitely that, spiritual. Well, that's what the psychologist talks about, right? Doesn't he talk about it being like, well, what was the word he used? Um, do you have? I don't remember. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't write down any of his oh, words. Oh, mystical. I think he calls it a mystical experience, right? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something like, yeah, you let yourself go. You're gonna. The, your brain chemicals are gonna be acting up in all sorts of way, ways, right? So whether it's like distortions or euphoria at different times like you're these extreme highs and lows right you know yeah yeah and in this collective experience that is bonding even though there's a competition you know right you have to get to know these people as you slowly quietly wish for them to go away <laughs> and as you lose your mind and your mind is being lost at the same time yeah <laughs> and your hands That's are sweating funny. like you're in these goofy leather gloves for three days so whatever's going on in there. Well, yeah. And they did. So the gloves actually were a, a pain point and mm-hmm. caused, was it Carrie? Yeah. The because her, her itchy hands yeah. inside the gloves. Yeah. And they were complaining to the judges that, hey, what's wrong with these gloves? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're irritating our hands. Yeah. Well, you know, these gloves are not meant to be worn for 50 something straight hours <laughs> in weird passiveness. Like it's just pl- <laughs> these are not placement gloves, you know? Like that's like these leather gloves that are you're just putting your hand on something but not doing anything with it. Well, they probably didn't wash them, so they're probably filled with like formaldehyde yeah. or some preservative that they're shipped with. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like slowly eating their skin away. <laughs> Just they pull the gloves off and their hands are gone. But at least the truck paint is fine. Right. As long as that finish, <laughs> as long as Jacob's deli isn't isn't eroded by by human desperation <laughs> leaking out of somebody's palm. <laughs> oh man. It was interesting. So, you know, getting towards the end of all of these people dropping out. Mm-hmm. So Russell drops out because he leaned on the truck. Yeah. Paul just decides he's done. Carrie, who takes her hands off for the itchy gloves. Kelly, mm-hmm. so the the young one, she makes it quite far, but she totally loses it. She just walks off and nobody knows where she went. Yeah. Ultimately, like they see her, like walked into like some parking lot, or yeah, somebody sees her down the road. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. So I, I definitely they they needed some medical professionals. Yeah, they needed more people there. 
Make sure everybody has somebody. Yeah. Not just like point them in a direction. Right. Like, where are you going? Oh, see ya. I mean, she might've ended up at a different car lot and just got caught at midnight with her hands on a, on a, on a, you know, a truck Chevy. <laughs> yeah. Like she might've woken up and been like, I won. And they're like, no, this isn't where the contest is. <laughs> you know? Oh man. But yeah, they needed to, there was no, and you know, this gets to that point of that. This is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah. When you go at 70 hours, which I think said the 70th hour was when Benny lost it. Mm. He could barely walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like, it's time, time to go take your pee test. So like the, the, top, the last three have to be drug tested to make sure they're not cheating. Like, right. <laughs> um, so he's like almost falls off the truck as he's heading towards the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't come back. Yeah. And Benny's intention was to stay, right? Even if he won, I forgot about this until just now, but his intention was to win and then to break the record and to go for the full hundred hours at least, right? Right. 105 or something like that. He was going to keep staying. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But not even close. He didn't even break his record. Right. Sad. It is. And so then it's down to Norma and JD. Mm-hmm. So with Norma, she just kind of, what was it? What did she do? She, I think she just kind of lost track and accidentally just pulled her hands away, right? She was clapping Clap, for the Lord. Bug. Clapping, yeah. that's right. Yeah, she gets moved by, by the Lord. The Lord who set her up to do so well for so long and supported by her entire community, a prayer chain that extended for so long. And there's that one woman who's got the yeah. baby, which I think is the only child in the whole film, really. Right. And <laughs> yeah. she doesn't want to take credit for, for, for her specific prayer, which got Norma the, the selection into the contest. <laughs> but I'm not saying it was me. I just know that it was, I was praying during that moment for her in that moment. <laughs> um, when, when she was yeah, getting energized in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She felt that surge. So, yeah, Norma's moved. And and for so long, it works. I mean, she's got her headphones. She's not listening. She's droning out the, the, the radio. She just has her tapes. She's laughing. This infectious laughter is moving through the crowd, moving through the contestants. It's huge. People are curious, envious. And then she gets so moved by the Lord that she lifts her hand to clap. The one right. thing you can't do in the hands on a hard body contest. <laughs> So this was a tough lesson that the Lord taught her. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, I'm sure this. I'm gonna was... I'm gonna take you to second place, mm-hmm. so you can win the two hundred and fifty dollar gift certificate. Right. Instead of yeah. the truck. Yeah, it's Job all over again. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a test, and I don't know yeah. what she did with that card. And she was shot. I mean, her mind was like, for some reason, her her partner wasn't there in the moment when she stepped away and she's just consoled by her new friend, Paul Prince, who's probably not the best person for her in that moment, but that's what she had. Right. It's <laughs> devastating. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I forgot that it was, it was the clapping. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So yeah, JD, JD takes it. And he's stunned. He's confused. He's like, yeah, he's like, what happened? What just like, happened? 
she can't come I back, can... right? Yeah, he's like, hey, he, where, hey, no, he's like, doesn't he, is that when he's like, where's that other cameraman? Where's the other guy? And he's like looking for his buddy and he's like, she can't come back, right? Like he needs to hear it until finally they're like, you can let go now, you know? Right, right. And it sinks it's in. insane. Yeah. In that moment. I totally lost it. Yeah. But he seemed actually composed, even at the end. He did. Yeah. You can tell he was a little out of it for sure, but uh, not. He was. He was on it. You know, he mm-hmm. had his hand on the truck. Yeah, he <laughs> kept his hand on the truck, which is the entire purpose. And then he gives it to his wife. Yeah, and he got that emotional moment. She gets to sit in the truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a love language, right? Like being the person who will hold a truck for three days and then give it to you is is a new version of like active service. Uh, <laughs> it's really tender. And she's and so gift supportive. Gift. Yeah, gift, gift giving is yeah. active service. Yeah. 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 One. yeah. <laughs> Just so he doesn't have to offer any like kind words. <laughs> and he keeps his gloves on because he doesn't like touch. <laughs> then he just wants his unfiltered cigarettes and banana and motor oil or whatever. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty much it. Was there anything else at the end that stood out for you? The very end, it kind of wraps, right? I mean, that's yeah. When Benny loses, he disappears. Uh, JD wins. Drive off. With and the that's, truck, right? that's the shot that you see him the next day or whatever driving because he's driving because that like again you're like safety wise he should not be driving um and he's driving (laughs) the next day so it's some post shot and then they and that's within there is a clip that they actually bring and show it right at the beginning um i have to look at that again i missed it but yeah i don't think there's much it's kind of that's the i mean there's this you know where where do you go after that that's it it could have been one shot and maybe it's in the in the extras of just a waste paper basket filled with snicker wrappers, like overflowing (laughs) (laughs) and a box like of like a a brand new box of Reebok, like just the box from from the pumps. Like that would be my, if I could change one thing, I would put that in there. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the true story that this is and the continuation of the contest it did continue on from 95 up to 2005. Mm-hmm. And this, this contest has a sad ending insofar as there was a person at what, during the competition in 2005, I believe it was about 48 hours in, mm-hmm. had walked away, walked across the street without saying a whole lot. And through a trash can through the Kmart that everybody talks about in this movie. Mm-hmm. Same Kmart. Yeah. And goes for some guns mm-hmm. and uh, the police are called and the guy ends up killing himself in the store. And at that moment that put the, an end to that competition. Yeah. They, they canceled the whole thing. Yeah. So it really, that, that event really puts what effect this competition or these acts have on human beings. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's part of the reason why now it's used as an example of, of, um, 
well, effects of sleep deprivation. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that you can kind of throw in there. Yeah, it's a warning. I mean, people should be just given trucks if they're that desperate for, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, let's figure out yeah. how to how to get trucks into people's hands if this is like where they're at, where they're, you know. But right. yeah, I I tried looking up. I'll, I'll look that look up that Facebook group, but um, I was curious about the previous winners between that that yeah. that decade. Yeah, so there was the two thousand three winner. I th- I think he smashed all the records. I think it was one hundred and twenty six hours. Whoa! Yeah, it's insane. Did he go? Was he by himself? Did he like win? It was the. I don't- I don't know. I couldn't find any other details other than just the photos because wow. that's all that they had on the Facebook. So if you find any more information about the contest history, yeah. I'd like to know. Well, they and they made a Broadway play of this of this documentary, which I never saw. Right. Um, but it's definitely yeah. They turned it into a musical. Yeah, it's yeah. in the culture. Yeah. Well, also there was going to be a fictional film the old man yeah yeah that's i didn't know about that until this week when i was looking this up that he that was right before he died he was working on that yeah it would have been pretty cool yeah it had some big names attached to it as well but uh i don't know I, i think it might be something that might not ever get made because of what happens in the end yeah because that was, I think, in two thousand five was kind of when they were getting ready to make the movie. It was in pre production or something like that. Mm. And then he passed as well. Yeah, I think he passed in two thousand six, if I remember right. Okay. Yeah, craziness. The the guy that that uh, passed away that killed himself, Richard Vega, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was weird. Like from at least what I could read about it, you know, from some of the articles that had, had been put out there, he you know had somewhat of a, a dicey past in terms of having some issues with uh, some violence, I guess. But at this time, you know, he had come out of all of that and was being very positive. But who knows? I mean, like he must have been going through a lot. I, I yeah. think there was something around his father had committed suicide Mm. so obviously like he should have not have been going into this sort of contest but you know how do you know right well you screen for trauma right you screen for for things like like you look and you realize yeah people are just wandering off people are like hallucinating who are these people and you gotta get a little personal i think when you're not just pulling a raffle name out of a <laughs> giant spinning thing, which I imagine is what they have at the dealer. Right. You know? Right. But also keeping people in the contest area with medical professionals mm-hmm. standing by and, or even security to keep them from hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see them home, you see them. Yeah, exactly. you have, which is, you know, obviously just like, everything else in the world requires more resources and more intention. Right. It's not as like all of a sudden the novelty that this truck dealership is just doing. It's like a whole thing. And then yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly. 
Well, yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting story. I thoroughly enjoyed this documentary. Thank you for turning me on to it, man. Because yeah. I, I had no idea. I am uh, treasured when you when you reached out and we talked about some other things. I was like, I feel like this will be the f- like this could be something special. There's something about this that I I just I talk about it too much, and um, <laughs> I it was it was a, a treat just to give have the, the a reason to go back and watch it again. I and it's funny just how much is like right there automatic. It's out of all the bandwidth that I don't have for anything else in the world, <laughs> that's still just somewhere simmering right below my consciousness. And I was able nice. to recall Ronald and all the characters and all these little, yeah, it's fascinating. And I, I think it will be a gem in, in like over time and looked at as a study. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull it off. They try to do it again at some point with, with those conditions that we've talked about being met. Right. Right. We can only look forward to that. Yes. The, the, yeah, the human endeavor, what we do to ourselves <laughs> for what purpose mm-hmm. for a truck, just for a truck. Yeah. I haven't really seen any other like competitions that are similar, but I do like when growing up, I remember things like this being talked about, like keep your hand on a car or something like that. Mm-hmm. I guess there was another one. Benny mentioned somewhere about kissing. Like the you got to just stay in a kiss. Yeah, you have to kiss the car <laughs> with leather lips on. Like what? what is this, <laughs> this is where they learned that like human touch erodes a car if you give it too much affection. Let's yeah, salivate all over the paint job instead. <laughs> It'll work. It's yeah, that's hilarious. I didn't know about that. Yeah, so I'll so whatever these articles I found, I will have in the show notes, so people can take a look and learn all the facts. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. There's something about endurance, right? There's something about pushing yourself to the limits over something relatively absurd, like not not because you're in some extreme setting, but like you're on a car dealership lot, which is a hellacious place, right? Like it's a place you don't want to spend three straight days with. Uh, yeah ever like it's a you would not do that even the the people that work there don't want that and yet (laughs) um that's the requirement for this right it's yeah it's special across across the street from kmart yeah it's located right there and you know you can picture it you can picture that road yep (sighs) great was there anything else that you wanted to add I think cars will make you money, you know, like uh, <laughs> 30 something years later or whatever it's been. I think I would argue now, you know, with the like uh, gig economy, I think a car will make you money. I, I'm curious <laughs> what Ronald thinks. Other than that, no, I don't. Is he, he probably works for Uber now. <laughs> yeah. Just bringing Snickers to people's houses. <laughs> Just, I would love to see a follow up. I mean, if, if that, I don't know if Bindler oh, yeah. made any other movies or i don't i haven't checked yeah i'm not sure i i didn't actually look either but a follow-up of that would have been you know would have been excellent yeah it's it's not too late it's not still time yeah one of the articles i read i think it was from austin austin chronicle Mm -hmm. talks about benny and uh, his his monument that now sits in his front yard so the truck is no longer running okay it just sits there. It just sits there. 
but it's it's still gleaming and looks beautiful. Wow. So there it is. He's been around the world and back and he's <laughs> yeah, he's a legend. I'm sure he's a legend. Just the way he is. Yeah. Uh, in that town, yeah. I mean he was he was the first winner. Wow. It's legendary. Yeah. Did you have any other film recommendations for listeners? Oh, let me think. What would I rec? I don't know. That's a look. I can't think right now about. Yeah, I'd put everybody on the spot with this. Yeah, one. nobody's um, prepared. It's fine. I know. There is. No, no, that's a movie I haven't even watched. Um, (laughs) Well, there's this Honeyland movie that looks pretty good. I got that written down. There's this Walrus Island that I'm going to go check out as a tourist destination. No, I don't. um, I haven't watched. No, I'm trying to think. My, My whole thing is all I want to do now is pay for a service in which you just scroll and look through movies. I don't think I'm watching films anymore. But if, if Netflix just put out like a $2 service where you just scroll for days thinking about what to do, that I feel like that's my new, like, I want that. That feels comforting to me. So I think. How, how about a list that just has one movie? And yeah. That's all you can watch. Yeah, you just get one. This is the movie. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. I feel you. You know. What about you? Do you have any recommendations? I already gave you like three. Yeah, but I'm not going to watch a flammable movie from uh, <laughs> the beginning of time. And then Honeyland, I will watch. Uh, yeah, that's a Canopy's great film. Canopy's awesome. I love Canopy. It's one of my favorite resources, yeah. both for yeah. me, my son. It's cool. I love I love it as a... Yeah, they have like a kid's version, right? Where yeah. They, they, they're and it's, un- and unlimited. It's like, yeah, it's nice. It's like, it's it's there's no like creepy, just commercial garbage. It's pretty, yeah. cool, you know. Lots of good stuff, especially for the adults as well. Lots of, well, you know, you get some Hollywood stuff, but then a lot of cool docs mm-hmm. and all sorts. Which and it's connected to the library. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and it and it reminds me of Clinton Street in that way. Like Clinton Street video was that for me. It was like, oh, you know, I trust your choices. Like I can go in here, and it's not just a thousand copies of Titanic, right? You, it's, right. it's all of these odd things that I'm supposed to discover and just that wonder of being in that place. And, you know, yeah, I was, I was sad to see that place go. Yeah. Yeah. But we still have movie madness. We do. Yeah. In some form mm-hmm. there's, they're actually open still you do pickups. Yeah. I, I, my clinic that I work at is right down the street from there and I drive past all the time. There's, there's these people, Paste, nice. paste, spaced out and bringing their videos back or I don't know what they're, I don't know exactly what's going on over there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Any, any uh, sparks come yet for uh, inspiration? <sighs> Anything, this is old. Think of something like, what was your favorite movie when you were a kid? Oh, here's one. Here's, okay. well, it's not that, but. Um, That's fine. That's fine. There's a film. I'm going to look up the title. It is called. The day of the, do you know this? The day of the dawn of the night of the, do you know this? Um, uh, I, I think so. I've heard, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen called it. Called night of the day of the dawn of the sun of the bride of the return of the revenge of the terror of the attack of the evil mutant alien flesh eating hell bound zombified living dead part two. 
<laughs> and it is uh, a 1991 horror spoof film written and directed by James Rifle. And basically, it is an overdubbed um, Night of the Living Dead. That's another gem I discovered at that video store. It's the references are dated, you know, but it's funny. It's a really fun way to watch that movie. There's like, yes, that film. I would recommend that. I like it. It's I think it's hard to find. Actually, I think it's on YouTube. I think you can find it. I don't think you have to even type type that giant title. (laughs) Perfect. All right, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a treat to be with you, Jeff. Yeah, man. Way too long. Let's hang out for reals. Yeah, let's do it before we both collectively relocate to the Midwest. Yeah, exactly. Word. All right. Thank you, Craig, for that awesome episode. Hands on a hard body. Love it. I hope you do, too. Just don't go trying to win a truck or a car or anything. Don't be kissing it. Don't be touching it. It's just not... It's really not worth it. Not not good for the mental outcome of your longevity. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Uh, Yeah, so... Good to have you around working on season two that uh, this is wrapping season one for me uh, not really setting a number of episodes but working on uh, creating some more fun talking about movies trying to work on a little format a little bit change things up we'll see stay tuned leave a review uh subscribe all that good stuff i don't know i'm i'm doing this for fun so hope you like it and uh i don't know who's gonna be on next It's a big mystery, and we'll try to release a sneak peek before the first episode for fun, and I'll see ya when I see ya, but not really see ya since this is audio. Peace.